Welcome to episode 212 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and this guy over here, Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, and welcome to a wonderful Monday morning. Good morning to you, sir. How are you doing? I'm uh, still waking up. Yeah, me too. This is, the, and I, I'm actually hungover as well. I had a brutal night last night. I, uh, I was one of those nights where you just, there's so much light coming into the window that you can't fall asleep, and uh I think the light, I was, I was trying to figure out why there was so much light coming in, why it was so bright. And I think it's because when it's overcast, the, light, the, the city lights reflect off the, uh, off the clouds in the sky. And so instead of looking dark, it's like this bright orangish kind of color. Yeah. Have you noticed you, that? Was there, were you turned to a vampire by any chance over the weekend? <sighs> I probably would have gotten more rest had that happened. But I was lying around last night just going, come on. And we have those kind of blinds in our bedroom or, or that, that look nice. Oh, but they don't really keep out the light. They don't do crap. And so I'm yeah, just lying yeah. there with a pillow over my head and it's like, I'm thinking, okay, so I have to have stuff to talk about. I could be ready to talk at 8.30 a.m. It's 1.30. <laughs> I'm going to be getting up at 7. The minutes are counting down. It's probably 2 o'clock. So, so you got to sleep about 2? I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing. I was up. <laughs> I, I was just about to fall asleep at like midnight. And I said, well, I'm just going to watch TV for a minute just to kind of help me <laughs> just get that last little bit of, of uh, fatigue, mental fatigue. And I watched uh, the end of this movie called Super. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen Super. So w- what is it? Oh, it was one of those things. It kind of reminds me of, um, I think it was uh, Kick-Ass. You remember that movie Kick-Ass where the guy prote- tries to become a superhero? I love that movie. Yeah, he tries to become a superhero. Same sort of thing. Guy wants to become a superhero, right? So it's kind of ridiculous and silly in that way. But it's a little darker. All right. And so I'm watching that till, you know, whatever. One. And then, uh, you know, ah, brutal. But I've decided, you know what we have here? We have kind of a morning show. Not just today, but generally. Oh, you think? I was listening on the drive over. I was listening. I, you know, just the radio was on for the, you know, five blocks it takes to get to your house. And uh, it was the Ryan Seacrest in the morning. You know, yeah. so he's like two or three people on there with, I guess there's three total on there just talking about random stuff, celebrity gossip, the latest poll, whatever. I think we should just, let's just switch to celebrity gossip. Well, you know, that's <laughs> what um, John Dvorak and, and Adam Curry always say. I mean, their whole tagline is in the morning. Right. Yeah, in the morning to you. In the morning to you, because right. it's it's like in the morning. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess these kind of shows are are typical of the in the morning show. That it's like another another thing they call it is a magazine show. Magazine show. Magazine, because it's like a magazine. Like you pick, you know, you pick up a magazine on the weekend, and it just has all sorts of random shit in it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So how about you? You're not necessarily a morning person. How are you feeling? Well, you know, I uh, on Saturday night. Uh, Georgia, myself, and her sister and her boyfriend, uh, we went out to Grauman's Egyptian Theatre in town to celebrate their uh, 90th anniversary. And basically, it was fully in dress, wearing 20s costumes. Wow! And it was it was pretty awesome. It was pretty you awesome. Know, you were wearing 20s. I garb? was wearing a t- I was wearing 20s garb. Yeah. And, Where'd you uh, get it? Well, I just used my suit and um, 20s looking 
tie and uh, shoes. But Georgie went the whole hog and actually looked, because basically we based ourselves on Boardwalk Empire. So uh, I kind of looked a bit like Al Capone. Uh-huh. The other guy looked like Elliot Ness. And Georgie cool. and um, Carrie looked like flappers. Flappers, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Do you have any pictures? Um, I got a couple of pictures. Show, show them in a second. That's cool. But um, I'll go on here. So was it their 19th anniversary? 90th. 90th? Who's yeah. 90th? Grauman. Grauman Egyptian Theater. Oh, the Gram- Oh, the Egyptian Theater's 90th. I thought it was yeah. somebody's no, no. 90th. I'm like, who the hell is... <laughs> no, so, so 90 years this theater's been in existence. Got it. Okay. And um, they had a live band. Everyone who came looked really offended. It was like going back in time. The band was so good. Like, this, this, they had a girl singer and a guy singer. And they were so good that I, I, it took me some time to work out, are they actually playing right now? Is this just a radio? Or is this real? But they, it was, it was totally live. But they just did it perfectly, and they put it through sound, I guess, sound processing stuff. It just sounded exactly, not you know, oh, that's cool. Twenties. Um, but we had a lot of Georgie wasn't drinking. Well, Georgie wasn't drinking, and there was a lot of drinks tokens to be had. So basically, it was it was me, me and uh, the other guy were, were mainly drinking, and I had probably like nine drinks. Yeah, great. And that's the first time I've had a drink in three months. So you fell off the wagon hard. Oh, yeah. You fell off the wagon and face planted on, right? You fell off the wagon and into a pothole down into the sewer in one go. It reminded me of, of one good thing about not drinking, which is there are no hangovers. And like hangovers are like, I mean, this hangover now is over a day long just for a night's drinking. Yeah. Well, you get older and uh, your body isn't resi- resilient, you know. So in in the in the Grauman's Egyptian theater, mm-hmm. one of the things they had was they showed three silent movies. So and it was have you ever seen a silent movie on full screen, like one of the old nineteen no, twenties movies? Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Like they you don't realize from TV how kind of good they are and how much detail they are. They had a Buster Keaton one, mm-hmm. and uh, it called Cops. It was absolutely hilarious. Like he was this vagrant, and somehow he managed to swap. Uh, swap uh, wallets with some other guy and then he ended up with a whole bunch of money and then he went and bought a whole bunch of furniture so like he's driving down the street with this crazy horse and cart and like totally overloaded with a house full of furniture and then he drives into the middle of a like an annual policeman's convention (laughs) Right, right right and just all hell breaks loose it's just so hilarious but they had another movie um that that was filming themselves filming back in the day all around mm. pasadena and all the houses were the same everything was the same you know how if you got into hollywood and yeah. pasadena and all this kind of area older areas yeah. it was weird to see black and white full screen with mo- with all the stuff that we see in modern times but it was old right you seem absolutely fascinated with this story go on i'm just <laughs> drinking my coffee go you go <laughs> wow this is this is a new experience you just like don't have not, maybe maybe it's just anyway um that's all i had to say about that i just that's thought it, it was it was just it was just really weird seeing very large black and white movies that made you real it felt like you were being transported back in time in a way mm-hmm. anyway yeah so that's what else you got <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I, I do have another thing for you. Um, you know how we're going to uh, the UK for three weeks in a couple of days? Right. So you leave on Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask you a question about this. So whether you've, whether you've experienced this thing that I'm experiencing and, and how you deal with it. So I have like 
uh, tax forms to submit. I've got to book an airport shuttle. I've got two major bugs to do for another company. I've got two major bugs to fill for um, uh, Uber Media. I've got like stuff coming through. E- everything that I've got to do is like a squeaky wheel. Yeah. I've got like a list of 15 squeaky wheels yeah. that all need to be done right now. Sounds like my how do you, average how day. Do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I as I mentioned before, I have my sort of super to-do list, which just has everything broken down by category or subject. So, for instance, Catalyst, yeah. Anyfoo. But they're not Uber. really squeaky wheels, though. Well, no, what I do is I, is I put all my to-do items in each one. Yeah. And then I grab the top, any squeaky wheels, things that are really important, and I put all those up the top. Like, this stuff has to get done, like, now. But that's normally, like, two. No. What happens for me. if it's, like... 15. No, there's times like that when I get... I mean, yeah, there's times there's like two or three and everything else is kind of medium yeah. um, of importance. But uh, there are times when I have a lot of stuff. But a lot of those things are actually kind of small. Like yeah. that. Like, I mean, you, you, you need to look like sending in some forms or whatever. I mean, like you can knock down like 15 minutes. You know, no, you can true, blow through like probably five or six of these things in like an hour and a half if you just... But it's like, it feels a bit paralyzing. You're like, uh, what am I... Yeah, doing? well, that's, that's why what you want to do, that's what's really creating these to-do lists... Um, and priorita- prioritization lists are really good because it gets your mind off of thinking about what it is I need to do and it is doing it. Um, and once you make that list, once you take like 15 minutes, you make your list, you get everything done, then you're done. Then it's just executing one after the other. Okay. Um, it's also like, you know, when you, your mind kind of gets going at night and you're thinking about all this stuff and you're like, oh, I got to make sure I don't forget this and I'm sure I don't forget that. It's like, just write it down and then you can fall asleep because you're so worried you're going to forget it that your mind can't relax. Same sort of thing. So that's Ooh. what I would do if I was you. I'd, I'd make the list, decide what's really important, and then just start knocking it out in sequence. Cool. So um, regarding the job advert thing that we put mm-hmm. in last time, I haven't had any feedback whether anyone sent anything. Mm-hmm. So, But you see, Uber Media didn't really have a place on their website to apply for that job. So I don't know what happened. Maybe if anyone did apply, they probably just sent it to Uber Media and it probably just got lost in the mail. So if anyone was thinking of applying for the Uber Media backend Java position, just send your uh, resume to us, podcast at textinglive.com, and we'll pass it on. That's probably the way that we should do this in the future as well so that we can kind of get some visibility into it. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was Uber Media. So a, fr- a friend of mine also wanted to talk to us about advertising yeah jobs um i I was supposed to talk to him yesterday but um i I just we didn't ended up we didn't end up connecting um also um we we got an email from um from a listener who was interested in advertising on the show but i got the impression that they were more interested in advertising their development two emails from people who wanted to advertise themselves no that well one was a consulting company like they're like a like a web development shop oh i see i see i see and uh I, I said, look, I, you know, he he was asking me if we if we thought we'd be if he if we thought that our audience would be right for his company, and I said, I really have no idea, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, know, in some ways, we're more right for that than we are for the other one because a lot of the a lot of our listeners kind of are doing stuff, working for companies, have jobs, so therefore they would be outsourcing potentially more than they would be looking for another job. I don't know. I don't know. You know, it, it's just, it's it's a mixed bag, I think, and we don't have any hard numbers. No. Really, so it's just this is all speculation. I mean, we know we know from the sample of people we've talked to that we have people who work in companies, and we have people who are uh, entrepreneurs, and we have people who are technical. We have people who are more just entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, everything in between. So, what those what the ratio 
of numbers are. It's hard to say. But um, so we had uh, we had uh, Udi also emailed us say that he's looking for he's looking for uh, remote work. He said, "Is there any way?" He's like, "How about advertising developers who are looking for work?" I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think there's much of a business." Right, we have a new model there. That's not really going to work for us. I said, but I'll do. I said, we'll do you a favor. You know, I mean, you're, you know, obviously you've been a friend of the show for a while, and he's donated money and always left really good comments and stuff. So he said that he's um, he's going to uh, take some time off to relax, but then in November he's going to start looking for uh, remote remote development work, and he's a uh, around twenty twenty five hours a week, and he's a PHP Node.js front end guy. So uh, if you're looking. Um, if you're looking for uh, for that kind of work, actually, send just send us an email and I'll forward it on to Udi. As Udi says himself, he's great with PHP, Node.js, and front-end technologies and capable of learning new things, which is oh. also, that's pretty, you know, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a developer and you, did, you could, weren't capable of learning new things, you'd be in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd be right. just working on your first language. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, I mean, this whole, the whole um, the jo- audio job board is kind of what we got here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this show has potential. We'll see how it goes. It's, yeah, I mean, we, as long as we get a few resumes in, yeah, then it's, it could be something. So if you are interested in that Java back-end, back-end role, um, just send, send a resume to podcast.textinglive.com. Okay, um, I have one for you. Um, did you read on Hacker News why I hired a girl on Craigslist to slap me in the face? No, let's hear it. This is, not, this is good, this is good. Okay. And basically how it quadrupled his pro- productivity. So what did what <laughs> what this this guy did is he uh, installed some software that showed him what his productivity was like. You know, it, right. it just kind of monitored how much time he spent on crappy sites, right. like I could use or whatever, versus in apps like Photoshop. He saw that his productivity was around thirty eight percent. Thirty eight percent of his day. Thirty eight percent of his day was product. Oh no, thirty eight. Oh, it was in was in productive using doing productive things. It was in productive okay. mode, yeah. So the rest of it was just wasting time. So he thought, okay, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to hire a girl from Craigslist. Well, no, not, not a girl. He just said, I'm going to hire someone from Craigslist to sit next to me and keep me on task. And whenever they see me doing something like not working in Photoshop and not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, to basically say, get back on track. Right. Get back on track. And he, but he went a stage further and he said, look, I, I'm so mad at myself. I want you to slap me in the face if I, if, if I really am not listening to you. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, he got quite a few respondents back from Craigslist. And uh, one of them was a girl, and I don't know whether there's anything kinky going on there. But anyway, there's a video of it, and it's actually kind of amusing. So she's just sitting there looking at him and basically look, watching his screen and making sure he stays on track. And then he's, he argues with her, and then she goes, no, and slaps him in the face. And so that was, that's the good kind of link bait opportunity. But he did say that he, he worked with her for a week. Obviously, it wasn't all about slapping in the face. Basically, he worked with her for a week. He's a writer, okay. and she was very useful as well to bounce ideas off. So... He said that just by having that social connection, someone there keeping him on track, his productivity went to 98%. 98%. Yeah, that sounds, I, I found the 98% hard to believe because I right. figure that any, even times that she's interacting with her or getting slapped in the face or recovering yeah. from said slap yep. is not really productive time. Right. So 98 sounds a little, you know, maybe he's up around 90, 92 right. or something. But anyway, I get the point. I, I actually um, paid a friend of mine. For, to to basically sit next to me and sort of compare code with me, even though I would be doing all the coding, just to keep me on task. For, I did it for two weeks. This well, is he, this he, is during a big project, like about four five. Uh, this is actually I think I was working on Prezo, early version of Prezo, and I wanted to get a lot done by a certain date. And uh, and this friend of mine and I had done a little, some pair coding in the past, and he wasn't really doing anything. I'm like, dude, just come here, hang out with me. 
you know, what kind of pair code. I'll, I'll walk you through it as I'm coding. And it, it, it definitely helped. I mean, I was thinking about doing it for Skyboard because I don't seem to be able to get the motivation to do it, right? But I, I don't have that much work. I was thinking of just finding some way of hiring someone to screen share, some coder, maybe a junior coder, who could, who I could kind of talk through what I'm doing and help them at the same time, give them some learning. Pay, yeah, it's, it's like paying, it's paying to have a monkey on your back. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a position, mon- a monkey on my back, right? Yeah. Huh. I like it. I like well, it. Why can't you finish Skyboard? I thought you had the madness about it. I know I do, but um, there's a lot of other stuff going on right now. I'm I'm kind of on in a bit of a cash run mode, as sort of like you, mm-hmm. uh, because I've got this. I've got four hours a day at one main contract and four hours a day at Uber Media. Okay. So I'm doing both of those. So so my downtime, I'm really feeling like relaxing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not yeah. really feeling like doing Skyboard. <laughs> but if I had an appointment, maybe I'd be more likely to do it. Yeah, well, that's the thing about doing all this consulting work. I mean, it drains you. If, when when you're done, you don't necessarily have a lot of, uh, of of free energy to work on something else. I mean, if you were doing other stuff, like uh, non-development work, housework, <laughs> other yeah. kinds of things, you could probably get more in the mood to develop, but you get kind of burned out on developing, mm-hmm. right? It all kind of starts to blend in and you just get that, uh, you just kind of get your motivation zapped. So, um, we're sapped, I guess. Yeah, it's weird. It's like with Uber Media, I'm dealing with, I've, this, this is an experience I've had recently a few times. Like there's a massive problem that I've got to deal with with something I'm doing there. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about that a lot. But then I need to context switch into this other project, the digital education project. And there's a totally different but equally large project uh, problem there. And it's like the context switching between the two problems. It's like, who am I? Am I person A or am I person B? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like really changed. Well, I mean, you do the first one in the, the, the digital education. You mm-hmm. do that in the mornings. Yeah, yeah. And you do the afternoon one to six as at Uber Media? Oh, that's six? two to six, yeah. Two to six. So, I mean, with that break in between... And the fact you're actually at different physical locations, how does it affect you? I, mean, well, that, I would think that, that, that would be a pretty the good walk context switch. really helps. The 20-minute walk, like, because it, I can kind of taper off thinking about the problem. It, sometimes it's really difficult. Because yeah. when you're in the middle of something, you know that? Yep. You're in the middle of Because yeah. you even get mini-madness about a mini-problem for one specific client. Mini-madness. <laughs> even the madness is fractal. <laughs> I'm mad about this for loop. I just... God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, that's it. Well, how 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 is the dual contract going for thing going for you? I mean, are you? It's I going mean, great. I mean, uh, I don't know how it's going to work when I'm over in Europe. I guess I'm not going to get any work done. And no, you don't you don't need to have like some bet with me about whether I'm going to get any work done. I already know I'm not going to get any work done. Yeah. Last why'd you, time you why'd you go for me. three weeks then? What? Why'd you go for so long then? Uh, well, because there's no point going to Europe and not spending some time with my good friends over there who I never get to see. Yeah, but three weeks is a long time to stay at work. Why not just go for two? Or like, uh, well, I mean, I you know, you, I mean, you, if you go in like a, and you, and you spend one week and two weekends? No, I will get, I mean, I'll get a couple of hours work. Last time you didn't. No, I did. I got a couple of hours. I just didn't get it. I wasn't totally on track. Yeah, but I mean, why, why, why go for, why not just go for, for like 10 days? I mean, I've been to Europe a few times, 10 days. That's enough. I just told you. I don't know. I, I think I, I just think told you're, you what you're, you're telling me that my reason isn't right. You're telling me that I don't know my I, own I'm brain. Thinking, I'm telling you, you're going to regret it. Is what I'm telling you. Just like I I'm told you, you're going to regret it. Why am I going to regret? You're going to regret it because you're going to get really behind and stuff, and all of a sudden you're going to come back and complain about how well, you're low on cash. So, so I regret one aspect, but what I won't regret is being with my friends. So there's this kind of you regret it afterwards. 
I would be back here. No, I regret. It's like be- you regretted the six weeks. I mean, you were over there, and after like two weeks, you're like, no, that oh. was six weeks. Six weeks is different. Yeah, like, I know, but after two weeks, you were already like, holy crap, I got to come home. Uh, it, you were already burned. We're not out. even there for three weeks anyway. We're there for like two and a half. Weeks, All right, so it's fine. But um, you're so funny. Like you think you think you know my own mind better than I do. I, well, we'll see how it goes. So, sometimes, I'm just remembering our last conversations. Sometimes you do, but generally no. Well, I just know you're going to complain. You're going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm so low on cash now, and well, like I'm so complain. behind. I'm like, all right, well, I, you know. But I mean, <laughs> why'd you go to Europe for three weeks? You know, some people like to complain. It just makes life better. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Like, like, it's like it's like a, it's like a, a way of letting off steam. Like to bitch and moan. Yeah, you, you do. do bitch and moan a lot. You do. What do I bitch and moan about? Everything, but never on the show. What? That's always no, a no. That's not true. That is not true. All right, come on. We're going off topic. So, um, have you got any any stuff on? Did your I get anything? Spanky new iPad. No, you know, today I'm just going to go off memory and stories. Story oh, wow. links. Um, so that's that's two shows that you've been unprepared. Yeah, yeah. This 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 weekend was a little. Um, we were out of town for a couple of days up in Chicago, and um, I don't know. I got back. I was just burnt. Just, yeah. Just you know, you know, you go when you travel. You know, just it's, it's exhausting. And then uh, I spent um, most of yesterday afternoon, most of yesterday actually, working on uh, the little Catalyst Coder Ooh. app. And then I was just done with that. And I wanted to spend some time with the kids. And Sandy's parents were visiting, so I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't have the. Uh, didn't have the motivation. <laughs> so Catalyst Coding app. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So. Um, as I mentioned in the previous show, I was frustrated with, I was frustrated with the kid's frustration about using a professional code editor and the command line mm-hmm. to switch back and forth to, you know, edit and run and test their programs. And, you know, we've gone through this about, you know, first the kids have to learn. And not, not only are we trying to teach the kids general programming concepts like, what are what's an instruction? What's a loop? What's a function? What's a conditional? What's a variable? I mean, those are big things to learn. Even as an adult who doesn't know a program, trying to teach someone that is is a lot. Yeah. Teaching eight to eleven year olds is even even more challenging. And then we're trying to teach them syntax. There's no real getting around that. You know, well, you have to have a parenthesis here. You have to have a colon there or whatever and that's that's but then to add on top of that add well here's what a text editor is here's a file system here's the command line this is what the command line arguments mean you saved your file to this directory so we got to change the directory that that's just too much and it's sort of irrelevant at this point yeah so um that's why last weekend i decided to just try and build an in-browser ide um and uh i thought it went really well in class what do you think yeah i thought it went great have we not spoken about that since? We have since? not. We have not. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it made all the difference in the world. Um, basically, because the kids could just focus on writing the code and seeing the results. Mm-hmm. And it just made life much easier. Well, actually, I thought it was a great session last week. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that, uh, not to blow my own trumpet, but I thought I did a great job um, mm-hmm. during one section of breaking down the problem into just absolutely piecemeal components. The for loop. And and the and the class really was with it. And you, you, there was another little tactic there. You had issued a break, so everyone was on a break. Mm-hmm. But I took the oldest kid and I said, "Hey, listen, I, I want to show you something." Yeah. And I went through the whole thing with him, broke it down bit by bit, and then said, "Right now, help me teach your brother." So then we taught him, and then we did. We just kept that process going until it ended up being the whole class, and all of a sudden, the whole class was there involved in this process. 
and we had broken it all down. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, kind of the domino yeah. effect. Yeah, domino effect, yeah. Well, I think a couple of things you you did which are good. But one, well, the first thing was taking one kid at a time and just getting their attention. I mean, it's it's always easier to teach one person when you have their full attention because you know when they're not understanding something or you get a pretty good sense because you can tell by looking in their eyes they're not really crocking it and you can tell when their f- attention's fading or they're getting f- you see that frustration yeah in their face yeah when you have six or seven or eight kids you can't drill in uh, no. on them that much and so you don't really know you don't have as much information about where you stand in terms of getting this concept understood so that was really good the second thing was how the best the best way to to learn something or to sort of solidify your knowledge i think is to try and explain it to somebody else um, so that's a really good idea. So you took, he's like, I'm going to go off the oldest kid. So I have the highest probability of him understanding it. <laughs> and he's going to be the most articulate being yeah. 11 versus having an eight year old. So that was good. That was really good. Yeah. I thought you did a good job. You were very patient with them and you, you stepped through, you broke the three parts of the for loop, the initialization, the, the, the test and the, and the increment sections. Yeah. You did a good job of explaining that. And then the brackets, I said the brackets was like a big hug. Hug. The brackets was like hugging all the code in the middle. Yeah, which is just a stupid, <laughs> silly, ridiculous comparison. But because it's stupid, silly, ridiculous, and it's visual, they can picture it. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Those are the kind of things that work. But uh, yeah, I thought I thought I was... Because it's funny, you know, it's like I needed a break, and then I just sat back, and I, for like five minutes, while the kids are taking a break, and I saw you doing that, and I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I'm running out of gas. But um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, it just shows you... I mean, syntactically, I think... Well, the for loop is a nightmare. It's it's complicated. It's a nightmare for teaching young kids. I mean, you know, back when you basic, it was used like four i equals one to five. Yeah. No com, no parentheses, no semicolons, no increment unless you had to add it in. I mean, so it's a much simpler thing. And plus, i equals one to ten makes more sense than i equals zero semicolon yeah. i less than ten. Like what? Well, it's I don't like there's there's so many confusions about it. Like for example. The initialization only happens once, you mm. know, which is kind of confusing. And the fact that it's a zero base count, that's confusing. The way the iterator doesn't happen until it's gone past the loop the first time. Well, what's it, what, is, what does I++ plus plus mean? <laughs> well, no, I said I equals I plus one. Even that, well, first we started with I++, plus plus, and then we said, well, I equals I plus one. Broke you know, it down. That even I even I equals I plus one. They don't necessarily get that. Well, no, because we we broke that down. But you so, have to, yeah, right? We, we I'm just saying that, that you so can't we, take any of this for granted. No, that's right. But once again, so that that iterator, because you're you're trying to talk them through it step by step, but then the very first time you kind of say, well, it we kind of have to ignore the fact that it initializes on this first time and that it doesn't iterate the first time. Yep. That's kind of like they're like, oh, okay, why? So then you go down to the bottom. Now it goes up to the iteration and it ignores the initialization. Yeah, it's, it's sort of annoying. How about I was actually thinking about. Uh, oh, no. Writing uh, your own programming language. Please, no. Is I actually was. I was occurring to me, but then I thought oh, of a shortcut. No. I thought of a shortcut. Oh, God. He wants to do everything from the ground up. Okay, cool. Well, I thought, you know, one thing you could do is you could just do a regex um, replacement. You could create a, you could create a line, uh, like a, a conditional, or just a, a loop just says repeat. In parentheses five, it'll repeat something five times, and then just a regex expre- uh, expression, a replacement of that with if with a for statement, the function, with a for statement. Oh, right. Yeah. Define replace anywhere you see repeat five. It's four I equals zero less than four. Blah blah blah. Right. And then you got then you got a repeat 
statement. But then, I don't know, I was going to see how it goes one more. If people are still struggling, struggling with that, maybe we can do that as an option for the short period. Like here, you can also just write the repeat. It doesn't give you access to the variable. It doesn't give you fine-grained control over um, the incrementing or anything, but it just simplifies yeah, the syntax. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, one of the things that you had done is to get, peop- to get it to print out, you had done console.print. Now, which is which you got from so just for listeners um, in Jason's IDE, he had you input the code on the left, and then you saw the output on the right. It's a split screen. Split screen. So we needed a way of printing out like "Hello World" or whatever. So he used console dot print, and I guess the reason why he did that is because with uh, Firebug and and uh, also Chrome, you you write to the console, so you do console dot log. So that's what you did, right? Console.print. You were going off that concept. Yeah. But I was like, mm, why does it need that? We're not really in the context of a console. Let's just create a print function so that they just type print. And then we don't have to write this big, long word, console.print. Just write print. So on the one hand, I'm like, yep, it's good to make a custom function. But on the other hand, when I hear you say, we're going to create a custom for loop by with the word repeat, I'm like, oh, that seems like going into different territory. That's like creating actual custom language well i mean let's not talk about let's just say that i you know i mean because a, a, a find replace with that kind of statement is really easy right but, that's that doesn't, but it's from, from their perspective about learning like they're they're not going to be learning javascript yeah i mean that's that's true i mean it's just sort of a, it was just an idea that i was thinking that a couple of things that you could do one i was thinking that that would be the simplest thing you might do um, another one you might want to do is the concept of creating a class. You could create something, you could just say class foo, and that would replace it with, you know, your standard way of writing, um, you know, using a function to create a class. Because it's kind of hard to explain to kids. I mean, some, I mean, we'll, we're not even going to get to classes right away, but it's just, you know, okay, well, you create a class, you don't have something that says class, but we do is we call it it's a function, but we use a class. It's just like really weird I mean, that's co- why i don't like that's why javascript is was not my first choice but i mean language. coffee script right mm-hmm. we could okay i, I think coffee script is okay is, collective grown now collective grown but we could create kid script mm-hmm. right so kid script we break it down to the basic functional concepts that go across all of the different languages i can see the madness burning in your eyes right now as i say this well i really wish there was <laughs> yeah i mean i really wish there was a a a kid script, a really good, yeah, kid script or whatever, like a really good basic, like a structured basic um, that that would compile, like CoffeeScript would would would, would transcompile to, um, I call those transcompilers, like compiles from one high level language to another. So like CoffeeScript, the the compiler is a transcompiler. So you could do the same thing where you could create like a, a simple basic. Um, but I probably don't say basic because then people will say, well, why don't you just use basic? Well, because there are, from far as I can tell, because I've been looking, I've been searching far and wide for this, to fit our needs, which is running in a browser. Yeah. That's what we're doing. There's nothing available. Well, how about, is basic, is there a version of basic that doesn't have lines, that doesn't have numbers? Yeah. Sure. Well, could we mimic basic in JavaScript? Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking, like you could do a couple of, uh, of simple things like uh, like the for the repeat replacement or something, we could do some simple regex expressions. Kind of like, you know, it's not like we have to write our entire entire parser and lexer and and code generator. It's just like okay, we do we 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 write we have some simple find replace. It's just sort of it's a it's sort of like a a super simple stupid compiler. 
Well, the way I would approach it is to say, right, what what is the core functions that we want? What is the core language that we want? So we're kind of creating this kid script language. Let's look at those and see how we can make them possible. I don't know whether it involves regular expressions or parsing or, or whatever, mm-hmm. but let's just let's just first of all define what the language should be, mm-hmm. and define then the grammar. Define the grammar and then make that happen by hook or by crook. You're very uh, Steve Jobs esque in that way. You always want to take control of all of the working parts from the ground up and build your whole infrastructure. Well, you know, I. It's because when I look and I see what's available, I'm I'm just underwhelmed. Right. It's just nothing really works. And I understand, you know, reasons why you might want to take a bunch of half working parts and kind of glue them together. And that's good enough. Um, I'm afraid that we're going to lose the kids with frustration and lack of progress if we don't improve the situation you know, to a point where it, it's smoother. That's why I was really, um, I was really pushing to get us in a better space, right. which as you've, as you've noticed, is, has dramatically improved the quality of the sessions. That's why I wanted to build the in-browser ID, which again, dramatically improved the experience. So each one of those were huge improvements. And I think there's a few other things that we can do to, uh, to just make it work a lot better. So yeah, I mean, it's just like, I want things to be, to work really well and I'm not satisfied when they don't and I'm not afraid to build stuff from scratch to get it there. You know, I'm not going to say, well, I know it still kind of sucks, but at least I'm spending time. That doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's not good enough. That's crappy. You know, I don't like, that's why so much stuff on the web is crap or so much stuff in the world is crap because people aren't willing to put the extra time in to make stuff really good. And, you know, I see it when you work with Double Dollar and the stuff you do with media. you care, right? You said, all right, this jQuery mobile, it ain't good enough. It's not going to cut it. It's not even your, it's not even your project necessarily, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like it's, um, you know, a personal project. It's, it's something you're doing for a client, but still, and you could easily have gotten away with probably doing a jQuery mobile app or sense or something where you thought, well, look, I mean, it's 85% of the way there. It's HTML5. What do you want? You're like, no, I'm not selling for that. Absolutely not. I can, I can make it hundred percent and I'm going to make it hundred percent because I care because you're a craftsman and you like doing great work. And so I feel that way about, uh, you know, building this catalyst IDE thing. I care about, I, I, and I care about catalyst. I mean, I don't want this thing to be a failure and, not only do I not want it to be a failure, I want it to be a, a, a real success. And, um, you know, and I've seen frustration on their faces and I don't like to see that. And I know that a lot of it is a result of substandard um, tools or inappropriate tools, incomplete tools. Well, that's a good thing to think about then, the, the potential grammar that we could come up with. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, strangely enough, I do like that idea because... Having actually had hands-on experience of teaching the kids and, and how difficult it was to teach them the for loop in JavaScript. If, if we, you know, it, there should be just a repeat with a number in the middle. There should, yeah. in, you know, but we don't want to just kind of make, by the way, that could just be a function. Oh, no, it couldn't because you've got the... No, the, you the, did, the we, we just create, it, it, it'd almost be like, I mean, I wouldn't call it a compiler, but just call it like a preprocessor. Yeah, yeah. We just run through a preprocessor. We do a few, yeah. few find replaces, yeah. you know, and again, that's that's something we could do really quickly. 
right? Yeah, I mean, you could write that reg. You could have write, written the reg expression in half the time we've had this conversation, right? And then we could add a couple more if we saw any opportunities. But the for loop is one that is particularly um, painful, I think, to, to teach the kids. But it's not like we have to always teach it. It's like, okay, now that you guys got other concepts, we're no longer going to do the repeat. You're level four. You've got the stuff now. Now you can use, you know, big kid loop, right? No more repeats for you. Right. By the way, you that, that is a bit of a trivialization of the effort that it's going to take to do that regular expression. That, And I'm not even sure regular expression is the right approach anyway. But um, it's, it's, it's going to take some time to make that work. Because, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff like that. So. Really, you just 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 loop through the just loop through the code line by line, find a line. Anytime you see repeat and in parentheses with space in between and a number. Well, what you're gonna what you're gonna really need to do, and I don't know whether I mean no, actually, last time we started speaking about technical stuff, listeners, so at least one listener said, "Yes, do that." It's well, a we texture. Don't get, we don't have to get too far <laughs> but, in the ways, but, but we I'll can just talk I'll about tell you the, the the best way to do it is genuinely going to be to work out a way of tokenizing everything. Like a, like a, you know, proper Problem. compiler, <laughs> sure. right? And uh, tokenize it and look for the look for the repeat and then match up the brackets, you know, so you, you kind of count when you encounter a bracket and when you don't encounter a bracket. And then everything in between, okay, that's the code. Because with a regular expression, it's going to be very difficult to say, where, you know, when you can have an arbitrary amount of brackets in between the beginning and the end, how are you going to do that with a regular expression? No, okay, well, you know, if, if, if a repeat is on a line by itself, yeah, there's no brackets, there's only one open and close parenthesis. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but but then all the code is hugged hugged <laughs> by two curly braces, so you've got to pass out everything in between those two curly braces. No, no, it's just a line by line. It's going to be on its own line. Maybe have an opening curly brace at the end or maybe not. That's uh, it. But they can have an arbitrary amount of code inside repeat. Yeah, you're just replacing that line. You're doing a line by line replacement. Just just split it on a Oh, a, a, oh a, a, so you're just a, a, so you're engine. just saying on the, I get it. So, okay, that's not a bad idea. So just, just place repeat for a for loop. That's right. And repeat then the and brackets replace, will replace be exactly the same. Okay. That's yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. You see, I mean, that's a, that's, that's quick. That's a, uh, you know, a 10 minute thing or a 15 minute thing. Just get it tested. It's like, okay, so we get the repeat. So we can kind of, you know, we can tell kids if you understand the for loop, use it. If not, use repeat. But we're going to be like, after a while, we're going to have you do the re- for loop, the real for loop, but this is a nice sort of easy thing you can do. No, I like it. That's a quick, that's a nice quick hack. Yeah. You know, um, just cause we spent so much time with the kids messing around with the, all the different, um, uh, semicolons or oh, it's a colon. No, it's a semicolon. It's a less than sign as opposed to greater than they're just, there's too many, um, uh, characters, strange characters in there. It would definitely be easier in my opinion to put the braces. So just to not have the brace at the end of that line. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I, um, I have actually been doing that um, when I show them examples because I think it's more logical. I've always agreed that it's more logical. I, the reason I put the with this, the open bra- curly braces at the end because of line. Because that's convention. That's convention. Although there's some conventions that I'm seeing start to crop up in Node, which drive me insane. I'm just like, who came up with this crap? Like what? You know, what? Putting commas at the beginning of lines. All right. You know, okay. I'm like, why are you putting commas? Like, where, where did that come from? I'm not a big fan of the two space ta- indent. Like, that's just all. I, I've never, I had never seen that before. And in, in like this past year, all of a sudden, it, um, I know that uh, I can't remember the guy's name. The guy who created Node mm-hmm. did that, so everyone's copying him. And I don't know where he got that, or he maybe he just created it on his own. But all of a sudden, there's this like big push for the two space indent. Where it's like it's so harder to read. It's like the that old story. Did I tell you the one about the turkey, the mum, and the turkey? So basically, there's this old—I don't know whether it's a true story or parable or whatever—but anyway, the mum 
like always when she cooks the cooks the Christmas dinner, she always cuts the like end of the turkey off. And no one knows why. And her daughter's like, why, why are you cutting such a big piece of the turkey off? Like this whole back section, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, they traced it back through the family and they found that their great, great, great grandmother had a really small oven. Right. <laughs> exactly. So the rest of the family just following this convention. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. So I don't know why people, I mean, these conventions are bizarre and, 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 like for instance, and no, there's there. I don't th- see there's a consensus. I see four and two space and dense, and I see people using the commas at the beginning of lines as opposed to at the end of lines. And then I also see the you know they declare all the variables up top with one var, and then they line all the variables up, which I don't like that. I don't. Oh like yeah, that yeah, yeah. I've seen that. that where you have like a var space, uh, then the name comma name comma name comma name. But there, no, but each variable is on a different line. They all line up with the name, but not var. Oh, that kind oh. Of, it almost seems like it's like in a leaning tower of Pisa. That's like, like a ha- that's yeah, that seems. I hate that too. So there's yeah. been a big fight of an Uber about that. There's like, <laughs> you know, my buddy Amos likes that, and everybody else hates it. And, and there's it's kind of split in the node community. And I don't know. I mean, it's just that stuff is sort of annoying. But anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, but so what am I? The last thing I wanted to talk about on the on that little on the little program, the the ID, the Catalyst. I've been calling it Coder, <laughs> Catalyst yeah. Coder, but yeah. um is uh, working on a, a game uh, that allows... So so we have, now we have two modes you can run in. You can run in uh, terminal mode or console mode, I guess, and uh, graphical mode. So if you want to draw... If you want to use a graphics library and draw shapes and animate them, you, you, know, you, you pick that mode. So when you say new program, a little pop-up comes up and says, which mode do you want? It's, you know, with radio boxes. By the way, just as a little inter- 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 insertion here. Interlude. Um, interlude. That graphics mode... We should definitely write a, a language because Raphael is just way too complicated. I was going to say that too because right. you guys were playing around with that, yeah. and yeah, I, I was thinking I could because I I wrote my own graphics library, which is just like Raphael. It it wraps the um, the SVG yeah. library and the VML, which is an IE, and it does all the same stuff. And um, you know, it, it all has to be a subset, right? Drive some circles, some squares, some you know, ellipses, That's all we and, need. and some Circle lines, squares, and like a, a move set the function. colors yeah. and stuff, and you and you got it. Really simple. So, and then just and then we have a complete documentation, and right there, you can click like a little button, and a little popover happens with hints. So, absolutely, I totally agree with that because I remember you were playing around with that, and you were like searching on the web for some Raphael samples, and you're like. You know, and this is like, there are five or six um, parameters, and like, what do those parameters stand for? But also, I don't think they should really be dealing with instantiation and objects at this point. It's like, let's just keep it kind of procedurally right now. You know, like with Raphael, you, you, you can't do anything without instantiating objects. So you right. want to say like, draw a circle, yeah. draw a line. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Just keep it that simple. might be that might be the that might be a better idea. So um so it's 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 really more like a canvas, like a bit. That's not a vector graphics yeah. in the sense that you're drawing objects and manipulating. You're just drawing on the screen. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, I can see that. So um so what I was working on was creating a third mode, which is a game, which is hmm. kind of along the lines of the whiteboard game that we're doing, which is that you would have a, a sort of an obstacle course and you'd have to a, a robot and you would tell the robot to move, turn right, turn left, grab, drop, you know, and it kind of move around. It would have some sort of either would have to navigate to a certain position or have to move some things to certain positions, something like that. And there's examples of that beyond, of course, are the whiteboard game, which grew out of my the game that I created for Colby where swimming in the pool. There's someone had taught me like Dr. Technico. Someone had done some kind of 
thing like that where it was just kids in a room and they would program their parents. And then there's Robo Rally. There's a board game, <laughs> you know, these yeah. things, but that's just a board game. And then there's Robot Mind, which is installable software and it actually costs real money. And it's, that's the closest like that. You like write code on the left side of the screen and sort of a JavaScripty like language and then you control oh, yeah. a robot. So I'm like, ah, we can do that easily. So I, I worked on that on the plane ride back on Saturday and on uh, Sunday. I, um, I spent a good point of time. So I got that, the first version of it basically working. Cool. So See, what can you do? We can just define like a, 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 like sort of a path, like a series of what it call spaces and draws like a grid. Hmm. And then uh, you have the initial position of the robot and then you have the win, so the solution state. So it's like, wh- what position is the robot in? And then that can win. And is that ready to, to go for um, this Tuesday? That'll work well enough. Um, and I just created two simple levels. So maybe maybe I'll, I'll go out and create like, you know, seven or eight levels and make them much more complicated. Um, but yeah, and, it'll, and if, if it doesn't work, it'll have a little popover that says, oops, try again, or yay, you did it kind of thing. Right? So you know how like um, when we were programming robots in the real world and they kept on saying left or right, and it, if the robot kept on going, it would kind of go off the track and walk into the wall. In your version, do you get to see the robot doing something wrong or does it just say error? You know, right now what it does is it says error and I was thinking about that, like have it either change color, like goes it goes from like a gray to a black, like yeah. at error. Like we could have it go off the track or something, but there could think could be things, I'm not sure if going off or uh, on. I like or, the idea of it going off the track and then kind of disappearing or like dis- di- basically disappearing or just <laughs> looking. Yeah. Having like the, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that would be kind of fun. Yeah, we we def, <laughs> I definitely got add some little fun game elements, a little bit of sound effects and stuff. So, but I also there's a um, things that I was thinking of was having it do certain things. Like you'd have different color blocks that it needs to sort or numbered spaces. So it's like it can grab a block, move it, so you can actually have a list, sort the list. So what have you implemented in it so far? So talk through the features. That that so so what I've implemented is that you can. You know, the, 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 the robot can move. So turn, you say basically right. step. I call it move since it's not really. It's okay. Right. So, move, so move just forward, is it? Move. Yeah. Move which are forward, right? Turn right, turn left. There's a 90 degree rotation. You're left or right. Um, I, um, you can grab and you can drop. And that's all I've done. But I mean, those are easy grab things and to drop. do. Okay. And then she yeah. can pick something up. So if Does it look like it's carrying it? You know, what I've done is if you're, so the, so the, it's a, the robot's just a triangle. It's yeah. like a gray triangle. If it goes and picks up a blue block, it turns blue. I see. And it okay. drops. I'm trying to keep the graphics simple. I mean, yeah. I'm not an artist and I don't want to spend a lot of time screwing around with stuff. So I'm kind of thinking of like um, Tetris is my inspiration. Yeah. Like, okay, fun games don't have to be graphically complicated. They can be simple, very simple graphics. It's more the gameplay. That's important. So um, how big is a little triangle? I think there's 16 by 16 pixels. Or something. Oh, okay. Very small. Okay. So that we can make... Kind of like Tetris style, right? Yeah, so that yeah. we can make kind of complicated grids. And, and you know, if we have to make the too big, then the grids are going to be small. And there's going to be kind of trivial games. Yeah. But I also want to try like the, like sort of different color blocks. You have to move around and get them in certain orders or get or whatever. But also maybe we can have like two or three, like the same program has to run on three different environments. Like here are three, three things. So it has to be able to be a little more adaptive so you can use conditionals. You know? like, I don't get that. Say that again. Well, let's say that you had... Um, Let's say you had something that was sort of a sorting, like you had to, you had a bunch of red and blue blocks, yeah, and they were and, and they were kind of intermixed, and you had to get them so they're all red and then all blue, 
yeah. in a row. Yeah. It's like, well, how do you get that? But then you have, if you don't have to use if, if conditionals, you don't have to use conditionals if it's only going to do, if you can see what the block, the order of the block is and you can just write your program to run it once. But if you have like three sets of these, like in a line of these blocks, and they're with different with different orderings of their blue and red, and they has to be able to. The oh, program has I see. To run all so three. basically, you you have three tracks all displayed on the screen at the same time, but each of them slightly different. You write one program to do all of the tracks. That's right. That's a great idea. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, oh, nice. I thought that might be good because I'm like, well, how are we going to do conditionals? I mean, there's different ways we can do it. That was just one that popped in my head. Yeah, I like that. That would that would work. The other thing I was thinking, I I saw there's a I mentioned this on the show maybe a month or six weeks ago was something called Rosalind, which was a site um, that had a list of programming problems that were sort of, um, they were focused on solving bioinformatics um, problems. So like, um, it would be like, a, you okay, here's a DNA sequence, the A, G, C's and T's, right? You know, so those are the uh, nucleotides. Well, what's the RNA? Looking, read that in as a sequence of letters. What's the corresponding RNA sequence? Sequence we know C, uh, G's bind with C's, C's bind with G's, and you know that you have, but you don't have T's on an uh, RNA. You have U's, you have uracil instead of thymine. So we know we have to use go with A's and T's good. You know, so that's a simple one. That's the, that's the first one you do. So obviously we could do things that were just like that. You know, you 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 know you can make an argument whether whether we should use, you know, say oh this is a DNA sequence and we explain what DNA sequences or we just use like letters and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. But there were lots of really fundamental simple sorting and organizing and different problems. I'm like that. Those were good in that way. Cool. But you know, these are just things I'm, I'm sure once you look at, we should play with it. You'll have a lot of ideas. You're like, ah, this would be more fun if you could do this, or this would be a little more challenging if you could do that. So, well, I know if Colby looks at it, he's going to say, I want it to be able to jump. I, I want to be able to put a bridge. I want <laughs> this thing. Well, you know, I, cause I just noticed that we were having the kids like writing for loops and repeating print statements, but I felt like we were trying to give them things to do. And I thought if we have a game that automatically drives drives them, well, this has want the goal. To do it. They're going to want to do this, yeah. you know. And so I, I that's why I was like, we need, the first thing I wanted to get was to get this working for you. Anything else is like we have some games planned Tuesday. Anyway, so great. we'll no, have that. Great. So it'll be ready to, to simple the basic the MVP of it'll be ready on Tuesday. Awesome, awesome. Well, great, great work. Thanks. Okay, uh, so let's uh, jump to some stories. Are we doing yeah. stories? So what are we doing? What do you got? Huh. Hey, that's your job. Oh, you don't bring any stories to tell me? I already said I already said a story. I said I said uh, why I hired a girl on Craigslist to slap me in the face. All right, 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 right. So let's see. Um, who bought your politician? Did you read that? That was on uh, Wired. No, no go on. Uh, I guess Wired. Wired. Uh, they. Um, they partnered with this site. I can't remember what exactly what it's called, but what they do is they track all of these, uh, all this data um, on what, um, where these candidates um, got their money from, what their donations from. All right. And so it's like some kind of widget, I think, that you can look at. And, and I guess it, it, um, it adorns the politician in like this NASCAR suit with all the <laughs> the donate the the, right. the 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 funders on the shirts because like, oh well, they're sponsored by walmart goldman yeah. sachs and monsanto you yeah. know or the federal workers union at least you know you know who's driving their policy right so that was kind of cute um did you ever hear um one thing that they mentioned on no agenda recently was this website called shadowstats.com oh yeah yeah i've, I've known about them for a long time yeah that's very cool um Basically, I don't know if, if our listeners know, but uh, I would check out shadowstats.com. And 
the impression I get is, is that the statistics are derived in a way that they would have derived the st statistics in the 30s kind of thing. So today we use different models, so the statistics look completely different. But these are more actually these are more real statistics. Is it really the 30s? Is that what so, it's something like that. It's it's like this is this is this is what it would have looked like um, pre uh, if you were calculating statistics post depression, something like that. That was something they were saying. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because I know what's happened is a series of. In a series of uh, administrations, they, they mess with the numbers. They mess with the models. Like right. they took out of the inflation uh, the price of gas and the price of food. Right. It's it, like they just, it's not true. And, and they take homeless people out of the jobless equation. Yeah. So everybody who hasn't had a job for more than 18 months is not classed as is unemployed. unemployed. Is not classed as unemployed. Which is inaccurate. So it's like, that's what they say. Well, the, the official unemployment number is 8.7%. Really, it's like more like 18% or something. Well, actually, you know? they were saying 25%. Yeah. It's about 25% unemployment if you do the, if, if you just hardcore basic figures when you include everyone. Right. So you can see how it's in the incentive of administrations to make the numbers look as good as possible. They're not going to lie about the numbers, but if the people they've appointed to their economic advisory council and the, and the you know, whatever, um, whichever bureaucracy is in charge of, of, of uh, delivering certain numbers, you know, these people are appointed, right? They want to make, their, they wanna make their, their boss happy, you know, and they're like, hey, well, there's three ways we can do these numbers. This is one I recommend. You know, incidentally, or coincidentally, it makes us look a lot better, you know. But it's amusing because it's like, it's a bipartisan lie. Sure. Like, it works just as well for either of the governments. Well, what happens is... Either of the parties. Who, who, whoever's in charge at that moment is going to have an incentive to massage the models. They're not really massaging the numbers so much. They're, they're, they're adjusting, they're picking models that make things not look so dire, Make things look a little better. Um, and then when the next administration comes in, they don't have any incentive to make you know, the numbers all of a sudden look worse. Right? No, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, that's why hedge fund managers and, and uh, traders and private equity people, people who have to spend time thinking about macroeconomic issues, um, they, they take those numbers with a grain of salt. They go, yeah. okay, so whether, especially big numbers like unemployment, uh, money supply, uh, inflation, they realize these things are kind of, you know, ridiculous. Um, so, so they, they're probably, so it looks, I'm looking on shadow stats right now, and I see that to get full access to the statistics, and, and by the way, the tagline for shadow stats is analysis behind and beyond government economic reporting. Mm -hmm. um, but you can subscribe for $175 for a year, uh, $89 for six months. I imagine it's people like stockbrokers and things like that who are subscribing to this to get this real information yeah. to help them make predictions for their their funding models. Right, like you want to get yeah, exactly. Um, maybe even journalists, economic yeah. journalists, people who are trying to get a better understanding of what's really going on. Um, absolutely. So yeah, people who have a financial incentive, and the guy who runs the site. I mean, he's an economist, I, I believe, and he's you know, so I mean, yeah. So it's like yeah. So you hear it referenced all the time. Even re even hear it referenced in the mainstream um, financial press. So, oh, okay. well, shadow stats, blah, blah, blah. I mean, not a ton, but everyone's going to make reference to it, huh. um, especially when they talk about things like unemployment and inflation, which are particularly, um, those are really big numbers. Everybody, that even people who have no economic um, 
uh, expertise and are not interested, they still hear about, well, inf- what inflation number is or what employment is, just vaguely, right? And and uh, and so when you talk about that in the mainstream financial news, you say, well, these numbers, but, you know, occasionally they'll say, they'll, they'll say, well, they'll, they'll provide the equivalent of an asterisk by saying, well, shadow stats quote something that's a little different. All right. Well, that's another one from me. And that was just off the top of my head. I didn't even know. Fantastic. Have to I see. Keep going. No, come on. You, you've got to bring something to the table now. Okay. Well, I read this article that was <laughs> um, about um, uh, one of these, uh, one of these, re- this guy who's a researcher in the area. I think he's a professor at um, Penn or somewhere. He was looking at the returns uh, that angel investors get. Because the, the, the conventional belief in Silicon Valley is that angels, investors, except for maybe a, a select minority of so celebrity people like Ron Conway and Paul Graham and Paul Buhite and people like that, that everybody else is they're a bunch of suckers. It's the VCs that swoop in and, and get the good deals and, they, and they, they're the ones who make the real returns. And the, and the, 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 the angels are kind of suckers. It turns out that's not true at all. Based on the results, the returns of um, the angel investors, I think, were comparable with the top-tier VCs, which was about two, 2.5 times their initial investment. Hmm. I, think, I think the holding, you know, five or seven-year periods, so if you put in, I think it was five years, so if you put in 100000 you'd get $250,000. Wow. You'd grow it to fit in five years. This doesn't seem worth it. Now, the key was, the key was, well, not worth it, why? Well... If I was going to put a hundred thousand into something and only get two hundred and fifty thousand back, I'd be like, "Well, I'll just put a hundred thousand into my own business and then turn it into a million. <laughs> you know, it just seems like. Well, you, you know, as you say, I mean, as you go with plug you, it's, it's easier said than done. Right. Uh, yeah, but still, I don't know. I mean, to put a whole hundred thousand on the line and then it, it just doubles. I mean, I, I would want it to like two and a half, ten x. That's two and a half. Yeah. Well, even well, see, here's the deal. I mean, the reality is that most of these startups don't 10x they don't even 1x yeah they're even half x most of them don't do much of anything so um there's a couple of the, the couple of things they the guy cited in the article which was that um i think that you really needed to have about 10 investments to reach that kind of success because you know if you don't have enough diversification there's there's little chance that you're going to get your 10xer right so you need to have more like 10 and each and, and each each one of your investments, ha- you have to be investing like that's your only one. You can't be saying, well, I'm just going to throw it to 10 random ones to see, you know, that I have a portfolio of 10 companies. It's like, no, each one you of them is like... You have to choose really good people, the, really good Each team. one of these, yeah. Each yeah. one of these companies has to be r- really awesome in your eyes. Like, you really believe that they're going to... This is going to be your 10 or You do that 10 times and... Uh, is it and if you're chance. lucky, two of them might come off. Yeah, we get two. I mean, that's a huge... I mean, two and a half times, 200... You know, that's a that's a great return. I mean, what do you get in the market right now? Like, if you go on and put CD, it's like 2 or 3%. I mean, not even keeping up with inflation, really. But look, you could just go... I mean... It's not that much different to going to the casino and putting a hundred thousand on black. I mean, there's a fair old chance that you that's going to turn into two hundred thousand. No, it's not a very good chance at all. I mean, it's a <laughs> much worse chance. <laughs> no, I don't think it is a worse chance. I don't think it is a worse chance. No, I, I it's think a fifty-fifty chance. But it's slightly off fifty. It's like forty-nine point five percent chance. So if you if you went to if you went to the casino and you put in um, ten ten thousand dollar bets. No, just one bet for a hundred thousand. No, no, you have to ten no hundred, then there's a fifty percent chance you have two hundred, fifty percent chance you have nothing. But what they're saying here is that because 
if if you put ten bets, yeah, each one ten thousand, you'd come away with uh, about probably ninety eight thousand or ninety five seven thousand in the end. Right. You know that would be your expected return. No matter how much you really thought of each of those, no, but, but that's why I'm saying well. just do one bet with a hundred thousand because because then you've got a forty nine a forty nine point five percent chance that you're going to get two hundred thousand, but you don't have as much as a forty nine percent chance investing in startups. Plus, you've got to wait five years, five freaking years, man. Oh no, my god, that yeah, sucks. No, it's, it's, it's not the same risk. Your risk is much higher than going to Vegas. I would never. I've just convinced myself that I'm going to actually drive out to Vegas tomorrow, and I'm going to. Yeah. Well. <laughs> good luck. That's like we put all of our, our house savings mm-hmm. on black. Well, that's. Uh... <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. But seriously, that that seems like wow. I don't know. That's it's a long time to wait. No, it's not that long. Okay, so let's see. What else do I have here? Um, oh, you know what I think was there about PC obsolescence? Is it PC obsolescence is obsolete? And this was a, 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 on ExtremeTech.com. Mm-hmm. And the guy was talking about how back in the 90s and up through mid-2000s that your, your video card, your motherboard, your computer was basically obsolete after like a couple years. I mean, it was so far surpassed by the latest stuff and, and the kind of programs you'd want to run on, the kind of games you might want to play or whatever, the kind of operating system requirements that Windows and other things would have. Um, but now that's not really happening. <laughs> it's, it's kind of slowed down. That You know, you have more cores and stuff, and, uh, but the games and things aren't really necessarily using all the, all the RAM. Yeah. It's not like the video cards and things. And uh, he's like, well, it's less exciting you know, in that, like, you know, wow, what's next year? What this machine's going to look like? It's like, you, you buy a machine, and it's like, yeah, six years, eight years, still do the trick. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're making improvement on, like, the, you know, the size of the machines. They're getting thinner and lighter, better battery life. I mean, look at these iPads, right? What did you call them? Heisen machines. Heisen machines? What did you just say? These Eisen machines? I don't know. I don't oh, okay. Know. I thought I thought you said they're still making improvements on these Heisen machines. I was like, no, on these kinds. Oh, kinds. These kinds okay. of machines. the Heisen. I was machines. like, what's a Heisen machine? I want to know about that. <laughs> a Heisen machine. I don't. We can invent one. It's like anytime you look at the computer, <laughs> it may or may not. It's going to affect what the computer is doing. <laughs> well, that would be a that would be a, a uh, quantum computer, I guess. Oh, you know, um, I think it's a good name for the show. What? What's a Heisen machine or Heisen machine? Or <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, um, here's another one that was cool. Is this was in the Atlantic. Was the best way to find aliens is to look for their solar power plants. <clears throat> this is the Atlantic of all things. Go on. So, the basic idea is, um, and if I can remember the the name of the, um, let me see. I have to look this up because I can't. I can't pronounce it. The something they call the Kardashev. Kardashev scale in this guy in 1964 a Soviet uh, astronomer Nikolai Kardashev he tried to plot out a theory of technological advancement um, for civilizations based on their energy use yeah so a type one civilization would use all available energy on their planet a type two civilization would use all the available energy of their solar system their sun a type three would use all available energy in their galaxy. Huh. So obviously we're a type zero. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. We're kind of a nothing at this point. So they're saying, okay, at some point, um, we're going to exhaust 
the energy supplies either deplete or reach a limit on the energy supplies available from our planet, either through nuclear fuel or coal or petroleum, fossil fuels of various kinds or geothermal or whatever, wind. So we're, the one way to, to dramatically increase our energy uh, 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 supply is to, is to extract as much energy as possible from the sun, which is create these things called Dyson spheres. You've heard me talk about Freeman Dyson. He's a, he's just a super genius physicist. He he's the guy who um, who united the the mathematics um, behind um, Feynman's model for quantum electrodynamics. I believe it was QED, and another Japanese physicist who won the Nobel but Prize. Dyson being a different guy to the guy who creates vacuum cleaners. Exactly. Right. Okay. <laughs> Not the same Dyson ball. So Freeman Dyson is is just a world famous physicist. He was at the Institute for Advanced Studies at Princeton for most of his life, and he, um, he worked on Project Orion, which was the, um, the project, this was back in the, I believe in the 50s, where they were using the idea of um, exploding nuclear bombs to propel this massive spaceship through space. Right. You can talk about now, that. Now, why, why... Which, incidentally, the book Project Orion was the first book Jeff Bezos reviewed on Amazon. <laughs> now, why do Dyson Spheres... Um, is it because they have a, a larger surface area? I mean, what's so good about yeah, them? Yeah, so you get them, you surround the sun with with, with sort of the swarm of massive uh, solar panels. Huh. Right? So you push it up there. You, so we, so we position them in space. So we'd, we'd have some way of positioning them around the sun using some kind of, you know, uh, propulsion system. So we so you go up and you just... They're all in geo-orbit. Well, I guess solar orbit. Solar orbit, orbit right? Yeah. So they're in close over right inside the sun. And um, and that would be your energy source. So they're saying that... Inside if, the sun? No, outside the sun. Outside the sun. But, but yeah. like, is it just solar energy or is it like a different kind of... No, it, solar would be it, heat. It'd be the heat. It's taking the heat of it. The heat, you know, the heat of and the And how does the it light. get the energy back to us? I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. Okay. I haven't read. I didn't read that much into yeah. it. But the what was interesting is the idea of like, well, how would you find a type one or type two civilization? You would look. You they would be using these telescopes to look at solar systems, stars, which gave off a huge heat signature. Like you could still see the heat like an infrared, but there wasn't enough light to match that heat. Huh? You know, like um, in the in the dark, like use those infrared. You know, like Predator, movie Predator, you could see their heat signature. That's interesting. So, has anyone done any searches for yeah, that? Yeah, there actually are some. There's um, the one thing we're talking about. There was a big push. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, let's see what was the name of this. So that's post. what SETI will be looking at now. Yeah, it says the project was just awarded a sizable grant from the Templeton Foundation, a philanthropic organization that funds research on the big questions that face humanity, questions relating to human purpose and ultimate reality. Okay, this is it's being led. Um, uh, you know, by a trio of astronomers. Um, one of them is by Penn State's Jason Wright, I guess. And it's a two-year search for Dyson spheres. <laughs> and I guess one of the guys, this is a different guy. Um, awesome. A different guy had uh, had uh, had thought that they found potential type three civilizations, like the galaxy or something, and they turned out with quasars. They, like, a lot of times what happens is they think, well, that's a good candidate for a type two. But it turns out, they haven't found anything, but what they end up being is really interesting, but unusual natural phenomena. Well, like what's the type? Like, how would you get get energy from a galaxy? All the stars, I guess. Oh, so you mean all the stars? You'd have Dyson, Dyson spheres around all the stars. All the stars. It's like each one's a power giant power plant. You're just grabbing as much energy out of that thing as you can. Oh, because I would have thought it would be more along the lines of some other way of harnessing energy from like 
gravity or black holes or something like that. Like the general galaxy, the existence of the galaxy itself creates a certain amount of energy that you could somehow kind of harness. Yeah, kind of about- like, um, like the, using gravity to generate energy in the same way that you would use, use gravity in the sense of like Niagara Falls, like the pressure from the waterfall. Yeah. Right? That generates a huge amount of energy. You could do the same thing or like wave energy, anything that's actually pushing, or wind yeah. energy is the same, use gravity. Right, exactly. That's a good idea. I like that. Um, but something else is, I remember hearing about the Tesla... Uh, that the Tesla had supposedly created this kind of large copper sphere thing mm-hmm. that somehow just hooked into the unified field and created energy. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear about that? Yeah, you know, I think that's other mythology, the free energy mythology and yeah. things. And 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 so I guess Tesla, a lot of his when he when he died, the the I don't know the military or whatever came in and basically grabbed his stuff and they they classified a lot of his remaining. Um, uh, notes and stuff. Hmm. So, which is kind of strange, which is great fodder for like conspiracy th- conspiracies. It's like, okay, so did he create some kind of free energy or not? I mean, they might have just done that as sort of like a, you know, way of like grabbing everything, not having time to go through it with a fine tooth comb and say, yeah, this is just, you know, this wouldn't even work. This yeah. theory is silly. These are, you know, let's just grab or classify everything and no one ever went back to it. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert on Tesla, but yeah, they, he did create some interesting stuff he was a genius he definitely laid the groundwork for a lot of um theories advanced theories on electronics but for as far as creating some kind of thing like that i don't know if there's any it's just mythology at this point did he because he also created the way to send electricity through the air right so you can send it from point a to point b without wires which you can do to a certain if you have a certain medium like i think like you know if there's a certain type of gas or something i've seen stuff like like uh i've seen stuff on the science channel where they try and do stuff like that right, right. you know you can use those tesla coils and stuff to do stuff i mean i'm not i don't know a whole lot about that but um yeah so i thought that was uh i thought that was kind of cool yeah yeah looking for it but um that is cool the fact that they're actually looking for stuff like that i mean you know there's just hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy and like half a billion galaxies. So it's like, you know, you know, half a trillion galaxies. Something that is just won't leave my brain. It's like inception since we spoke about it Hmm. is this, um, this concept of us being in a simulation. Oh, the ancestor simulation. Yeah. It's just like, whenever we talk about stuff like this, I just, I I can't decide if I would be depressed or happy if we were in a simulation. (laughs) I think it's stressing me out. The possibility that that's, that I'm nothing more than just a the simulation. A, a, You're a, a little program? aspect of the simulation. Your computer yeah. program writing other computer programs. But it's like if it, it, it's especially annoying considering, you know, I'm an overweight simulation. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm a simulation. Why can't I just be a perfect exactly? Rope, perfect. You know what I mean? It's like that. That's really bugging me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, if it's a simulation, why can't it be a perfect simulation? I mean, well, of course. In what is what does it mean to be a perfect simulation? So you can't have you figure that if if something, some kind of superior intelligence, whether you're talking about a divine intelligence or whether you're talking about an alien intelligence of some kind, creates a simulation, and then you're inside of it. It would be very interesting if it was like everything, you know, perfect beings or something, and you need variety. You know, it's like, you say like Conway's Game of Life, and you see these little things moving around based on mathematical roles. Have you seen that game? I haven't Life? seen that, no. Yeah, so it's like you... You know, just have a you have a very limited number of mathematical roles can generate these pretty interesting 
sort of two-dimensional grid-based simulations. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It was kind of like a really big version of that. So, yeah. But it's I, more interesting if you have variety. And, and, and who's to say what's perfect and what's not? And they're looking at the simulation. And, and imagine if you were playing games with that, so it would just be curiosity, like, what happens? Like, I don't... Each individual element within there is perfect? Or what does that but even how mean? would you just let a simulation run? Like, uh, wouldn't you just interfere? Like, that's also, that's also kind of scary. It could just be some random interference. You know, some... We're, we're like, running on some... Like, who's taking your socks... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think You're taking I, my lost sock. That's random interference. <laughs> that's the, all right. Okay, Colin, have you got anything else for us? Well, on the space topic, there was one, um, <laughs> and uh, it was an interview with a guy who's a um, professor at the Naval War College, and they were talking about what would space warfare be like. You know, because they would depict it like aircraft or oh, yeah. in space. Yeah, and, and they, they depict it like, well, because also someone had mentioned that on our blog, just how a space war wouldn't be anything like it's depicted. There wouldn't be yeah. any noise because space is a vacuum. It's a vacuum. There's no noise. Yeah. Uh, you can't bank in jet, like in jet, you know, like in flying. You don't bank. You kind of have to use thrusters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of things would be different. And of course, there's no hiding in space, like submarines or something. You can't really hide <laughs> behind things very easily. You can hide behind a planet. A little bit, but then you can't, yeah. But I mean, just the hiding works differently. And of course, it's three-dimensional. It's not like everyone's on a flat plane, right? Yeah. People coming below and, well, you know. So below. is that what this article was talking about? Yeah, like well, what what would be the same and what would be different? And, um, you know, this guy was comp- talking about how Battlestar Galactica did some, which he says is like his favorite, because he's a sci-fi fan too. So yeah. it's fun for him to think about because he studies war strategy and battle strategies and things like that and um so if you're an expert in that and then you're a sci-fi fan you can it's fun to kind of so did he say that battlestar galactica was the most realistic or not so realistic certain things are realistic like one of the things he said is you know he's like the life on the the on the battlestar seemed kind of realistic to him is a lot there's a lot more space there than would than there is on like on a normal like aircraft carrier you don't have nearly that kind of space yeah but um but maybe in a you're building a something that's people are going to be on for a longer period of time, then you could make it larger. But um, he said that um, so that was good. That was a big plus. The life was on there was on. But he's like, you know, the thing is that when you when you go out on one of these aircraft carriers, they go for six to nine months tops, but they have to bring them back to port, and it takes a and they're on a port for a good chunk of time too because they're pretty beat up by the time they come back. Right, but they probably don't have like biospheres on real world aircraft carriers whereas that a battlestar galactica like it grows its own plants and things right 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 doesn't right. it you so know i don't that, know so if the battlestar does that or i don't know if that does that or was it some of the other ships that were in the um their little armada would supply food oh okay did they i don't yeah, know that's, that, prob- that's possibility i've only i'm only probably through season two so i don't really know are you maybe. still enjoying that show i do i it's uh we were making good progress on it. Then all of a sudden the football season started up. So every Monday and Sunday and Thursday night, we watch football games. So, uh, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like by the time the kids are in bed and eat dinner and go to sleep, you know, you got like an hour, you're kind of reading, you kind of watch. It's like, you know, throw a football game on Football games kind of like you're watching. It's kind of background noise. Yeah. Okay. So know? that's cool. So you so you get a little bit of life at, at the same time as TV. Yeah. So I, but we haven't been doing it as much just because, yeah, I don't know, football season, I've <laughs> been watching football games. But um, yeah, that was kind of interesting. I, what else did he say? I feel like he had a couple other good points. Um, 
I don't know what it reminded me of an article I read a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago. And the guy was talking about how our modern Navy, the U S Navy is really susceptible to attack from, um, certain types of missiles. I think that China has these missiles in particular, which are like torpedoes that go underwater and then they come up out of the water before they get the ship and come up and then come down on the ship. And that they're really, there's really no defense that like our, our Navy is just, are just sitting ducks to something like that. Kind of like, it's almost like we had, you know, like a world war one was that the Belgian force had like, they were charging on horses and the German tanks, which was just like a joke. It was like, they were still fighting the last war <laughs> so that our, our Naval, our current Navy is kind of still built towards wars that are of the past, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. So, all right. So let's move on. Something else. Yeah. What you got? I'm just looking through Hacking News right now. Looking for something. You know, one thing that's the one thing that sucks about the iPads. Um, uh, yeah, about the i the iPads archive for Insta and the Instapaper archive is that it only shows me like ten. <laughs> 10 past topics I read. So, like, I read a bunch of stuff and, like, a lot of stuff is like, eh, it's only so good. Let me see here. Oh, the uh, Tesla's first six uh, superchargers open to the public. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Did they open with a a shopping mall specially targeted towards uh, geeks? Yeah, no, but they uh, they said they open them in places where they're, where people would want to stop their restaurants oh, okay, and stuff. Nice. So, but they didn't get into too much detail about uh, where... Let's see. What else do we got? Oh, you know, there's an article about futuristic, what they call them, futuristic rocket ship schools, um, where they, I think there's like, there's just a small number of them now, but they're going to, they're really going to try and blow it up and have like 500 or a thousand of these schools around the country in, in, in short order, um, where they the teaching is primarily done on the computer like they do drills which are more game oriented yeah and the teachers are there sort of a support as opposed to just primary instruction so they can get um inexpensive teachers inexperienced teachers kind of the teach for america type and they bring them in as support as opposed to really high paying teachers or high paid teachers and uh and the kids can learn through the computers apparently the kids are the kids are killing it on the uh on the standardized tests as a result (laughs) So it's called. Why is it called rocket ship? I don't know. I don't, like I don't think it's. Faster. I don't. I don't know. I think they're just. They, that's just the name of the article. And since in the USA Today, it was just. Really, oh, okay. You know. Um, yeah. So let's see what else we got. Maybe a short show. So it looks like. Uh, looks like we could think about winding up. Yeah. Let's just. Let's just call it a show. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize how late it was. So okay, we got a full show in already. Yeah, we did. Do we? Do we any updates? There's no updates on any food at the moment. Any, although I sent out a few emails, I got a few experts that I'm talking to, I'm trying to trying to get them in the bag. Yeah, see if I can get them in the bag. I need to set up a PayPal account. Yeah, we need to set up a PayPal account because I don't know how I'm going to do that before Wednesday. I'll get started on it anyway. Just go and just set up an account. Get just get the account part set up, see if you can get the account. Yeah, but because you know you, they have to like deposit money. Just in the account yeah, just initiate the process. Yeah, yeah, good. Because Lisa, um, who's our, uh, she's a UX. UI UX expert. Yeah. And uh, she, she did a, um, a session three or four weeks ago. And it didn't go through because she was, uh, she had set up a PayPal account because I had forgot to remove the PayPal option, even though our payout um, company, Webmaster Checks, doesn't process PayPal yeah. anymore. 
So I, I didn't discover until looking through the logs that that didn't happen. So, so we owe her the money. We owe her the no money. Good way to get it to her. And the, what we we're talking, I was like, well, you can set up international wire, but that's going to cost like twenty bucks and take. But why didn't we say to her, look, do the international wire, and we'll, you know, because the international wire was still going to require me to to I have to change a bunch of fields and add in a bunch of stuff. It was still going to take me. Uh, couple hours of work. But can't we just manually wire the money to her? Just ask her to send us the de- details. We'll manually wire it. And You want to we- go to the bank and do a wire? Uh, no. Oh, no. Don't. So the webmaster checks don't give you an interface to like manually add an entry? Uh, I don't know. It looked really painful. If you want to do it, you can do it. Um, I would say we should just get the PayPal set up, okay. get the account, and then just do it through PayPal. I sure. think it'll probably end up being... Well, it's good because of the future as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably won't be any more work. We should have that because I, 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 I have paying people internationally through National Wire is kind of a pain. We should okay. at least have we should have PayPal and we have to even even using Webmaster checks. We still kind of have to do things manually to a degree. I mean, right. it, it it allows us to do things in bulk, but you still kind of have to log in, go into Wells Fargo, do a direct pay. You know, yeah, so, so annoying. You know, I mean, a pay. So if you have to do like um, a couple of PayPal payments for international, it's like it's not a big deal. But we have to have that. I think we should have that. Okay. Just for quality of experience for experts, and we don't want to be painful for them to get their money. I mean, the whole point of this is to remove the pain. Right. Well, Plugio is still ticking along. Um, <clears throat> I'm really not doing very much with that right now. Um, <clears throat> Skyboard. I have not done any work for the last two weeks because I've been focusing on client work. Um, I have things to do uh, on it, but it's just a question of getting the time to do it. Maybe I'll get a little bit done during this vacation. I'm not sure. Um, I have a pretty good idea on how I'm going to roll it out and market it and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just have to get the time to get in there and build that stuff. Um, what else we got going on? Well, what are we doing for uh, when you're in Europe? Are we, are we going to do shows? Yeah, why not? Okay. Well, we'll we'll find a way of doing it. Okay. Uh, the problem is, is the internet connection sucks wherever I am over there. Right. So you got uh, you have to you have to find a good connection, and then we just uh, yeah, just just try and experiment. do. Yeah, I don't know how many we're going to get in. <laughs> right. So we maybe, may miss a show or maybe two. two. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we'll do, we'll do what we can do. Yeah. Um. All right. So I guess that's a show. Yeah, I, we've uh, you know that's been a good show and. Um, We'll try and do as many as we can uh, over the next two and a half weeks. But uh, no promises. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. We're out.